He would have sharpened his people skills earlier on, but it seems to be doing something right. Over 170 people on his team today launched in 2011, PandaDoc helping you send proposals and quotes in minutes. They're scaling rapidly. A year ago, they had about 7,000 customers. Now they have over 10,000 customers paying on average 100 bucks a month. So they're flirting with that $100 million, or sorry, $1 million per month mark. 70% year-over-year growth, really healthy. $20 million raised, uh, up, spending up to 1600 bucks to acquire a customer. He's comfortable with a 16-month payback period considering they had just raised capital. Healthy economics and his team is split between Belarus and the United States. This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast, where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Each episode features revenue numbers, customer counts, and other insider information that creates business news headlines. We went from a couple hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million. They had no money when they started the company. It was $160 million, which is the size of many IPOs. We're bootstrapped. We have like 22,000 customers. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Makita Mikado. He was born in a place called Minsk, Belarus, around the time USSR started to collapse. Severe infection from with the entrepreneurship bug got him to do things like wash cars when he was seven years old and sell berries when he was 10. Eventually, it got so bad he had to jump on a plane to the United States where this type of disease not only treated but also rewarded. He started multiple software companies, raised many millions of dollars in financing, built amazing teams, and helped dozens of thousands of businesses be more efficient. His project today, PandaDoc. Dot com. Makita, are you ready to take us to the top? Absolutely. All right, you secretly Hi, miss Nathan. those. You secretly miss those berry picking days, don't you? Uh, I do. I do miss <laughs> those a lot. You know, it's it's a lot healthier than uh, than than sitting in front of your computer. That is true. In case you're considering something like that. So tell us about the berries you're picking today in the form of Panadoc. What do you guys do, and, and what's your revenue model? How do you make money? Yeah, uh, we're a software company that helps to streamline sales documents. Anything from quotes to proposals, contracts, getting those documents generated, delivered, signed, tracked, and so on and so forth. That's our business. We charge uh, on per user per month basis. It it is a uh, subscription-based software uh, that you can use out of your browser. No professional services or big setup fees yet, nothing like that? No, uh, we typically wor- work with um, small to medium-sized businesses, and while we do have professional services, it's not like it's not like a software application that would take you years to deploy and yada yada yada. You just you know a lot of our customers just sign up for an account, figure it out themselves, and uh, start using it. And uh, we were just chatting pre-call. You know, the last time you were on the show was almost two years ago, so it's 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 been a it's been a second. Back then, you shared your ARPU was around a hundred bucks per customer. Have you actively tried to increase that, or have you stayed there and just tried to drive volume? Yeah, we're staying within the same um, range, and uh, we did drive quite a bit of volume. So uh, we talked, I think, about a year and a half ago, and um, yeah, a year and a half ago, and since then. Um, raise more money we uh how much have you grew. raised how much have you raised to date uh close to 20 close, close to 20 million dollars to 20 okay yeah, yeah i'm i'm going back so so that what that was a series your series a or series b Great series b series b which was a how much nine uh series b was uh no 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 it was 15 um yeah prior to that uh raised five so that makes a total of 
close to 20, but you know how it works in the in the venture world. I totally Some understand. of the notes you can buy back and yada, yada, yada. But yeah. When did you when did you kind of make the strategic decision that, you know what, we're going to make this a funded company. It doesn't make sense to bootstrap this thing. So uh, prior to Pandadoc, we had a different product um, that we took to profitability. You're talking about Quote Roller? Uh, yeah. By, by um, self-funding the whole thing for more than a year. Uh, and uh, once we became profitable with the uh, with the software and the uh, and the company we uh, we just <laughs> we weren't able to help ourselves but notice that like the opportunity is so much bigger that's when we decided to raise money and uh, sort of say go big and what have you scaled to today in terms of total customers uh, we are close to 10,000 accounts okay that's great growth. Back today yeah, about a year and a yeah. half ago when you were on the show, you said you had you just crossed about 7,000, so about 3,000 new ads over the past year and a half. That sounded about right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, good. And then look, 10,000 customers at that ARPU you just articulated. I mean, have you broken a million bucks a month yet? Um, depends. In bookings, yes. Uh, in MRR, we're a little shy of that. Yeah, but but something you'll probably definitely break in the next month or two, right? A couple months? well tell me tell me how you why do you talk about those, those two things differently kind of educate us on why bookings would be different than mrr recognition because uh, bookings involve uh, annual subscriptions and uh, professional services whenever those are present okay so but but i asked bookings you earlier, are larger typically yeah i asked you earlier though about professional services that, that's not any that, you don't have more than five percent of your revenues isn't professional services is it is it significant? Uh, 5%. On, on, the, on a monthly basis, I think we're actually around 5%. Okay. Precisely and 5%. What is that? What is the, if, I, if I sign up for PandaDoc and I pay you a little bit of professional services, what am I getting for that? Is it setup fees and stuff? Yeah, well, we would help you to integrate your CRM system with PandaDoc. We'd um, uh, provide some um, design services on top of your existing sales collateral. A lot of people like that. Um, we just help to make your um, sales proposals um, look a lot better, and there's value for for a lot of sales teams that want to get that done. From our perspective, we just want to make our customers successful uh, in the best way we can, and uh, if that means that we have to uh, engage our design team to uh, to help you out, we totally do that. Um, what else would we do? Trainings, right? Trainings. Uh, we take your content and uh, convert it into uh, in Panadoc format. If you're busy and you don't have time to do that, so basically that kind of like the, those are the types of uh, uh, those are the type of uh, types of things that we do as a part of our professional service. Tell me about where most of the customer growth is coming from. I know last time we spoke, you talked uh, in a very nice light about the integration with HubSpot's app exchange, and that's been great for you guys. Are you leveraging other app exchanges to continue to drive growth, or do you still see most of it coming from HubSpot? Yeah, hopefully we're going to pop up on Salesforce's app exchange in the next couple of weeks. Um, HubSpot is great, but it's just one of the channels. Um, the biggest thing for PandaDoc is that when I send you a PandaDoc, it looks pretty cool, you know. It's going to be a nice document, and it's electronic. We can collaborate on it, go back and forth instead of uh, exchanging multiple emails with attachments. And you can sign on it with legally binding electronic signatures. So in many cases, recipients of, uh, of the documents um, get curious about, hey, what did just happen? What's that software? And they sign up. Yeah. 
So that natural virality is what uh, helps us to drive the business quite a bit. And what has the growth been over the past 16 or so months? I mean, are we talking 100% year-over-year growth or more or less? No, it's less. Uh, we're averaging 70%. Okay. That's pretty healthy. Though. I mean, you guys are getting up in the, I mean, if you're, if you're close, if you've passed a million bucks a month in bookings, I mean, it's hard to double 12 million in ARR, right? Well, you can do that. And I, I think we can do that as well. Um, it's just a matter of uh, choices that we make uh, strategically. I, we don't see a, um, we don't see that competition wise. Uh, there are a lot of threats. And, uh, what do you mean you don't choose, see that? You know their growth rates are lower uh, than yours? We, we know that um, from the uh, product perspective and from the um, also growth perspective, um, we have a little bit of time. So we choose not to raise a ton of money and um, you know, be super aggressive at this time. We might change that. Yeah, like that, that thinking might change, but for now, that suits us pretty well. And uh, as long as that you're not burning a lot of money and you can become profitable at any point you want, seventy um, percent is good. Yep. Yep. So, so, so again, look, seventy percent year over year growth. Again, if you're around that millionish mark today in MRR, I mean, is it fair to say about a year and a half ago you were doing somewhere around five hundred, six hundred? Is that generally accurate? Um. So 500, I think we were at 500 like, around the time. Wait, January 2016 is the time when we talk. Yes. Uh, so January 2017 is, is that's, that's when we were at 500. Five, so, yeah. Okay. okay. Okay, great. That's good. Pro- probably a little less than that. but That's great. And then as you, as you execute your growth strategy here throughout 2018, it sounds like you have other app exchange launches coming down the pipeline. I mean, what do you hope to drive ARR to? What do you hope to drive your growth at? Uh, what do we hope to drive our growth at? You know, honestly, uh, Nate, the way we think about it, it's it's not MRR is not the top metric that we care about. What we care about a lot is the uh, number of customers, NPS within our customer cohorts, um, how happy are our customers uh, with our product. Are we getting the right types of customers? Uh, because you know we're not we're not the best product for for everyone, right? Um, so that that's really what we what we are after. And uh, MRR is the is the result of um, doing the right thing on all those fronts. Um, how do you know uh, that the things you're measuring though, if it's are directly correlated to MRR? That's always a tricky thing for people to figure out, right? Yeah. So. We don't. We assume. Like it's it's it's. I think at some point we'll get to the uh, to to correlating, let's say, NPS score and monthly recurring revenue, and seeing some um, dependencies. And uh, as of today, we assume that this is the case, and uh, um, that's what I'm hearing more and more from revenue leaders um, in Silicon Valley. So I tend to believe that, you know, if um, Slack people say that that's, that's the ultimate metric you have to focus on, then I tend to believe that. Yeah. Last time you were on the show, again, this was about a year and a half ago, you said your gross logo churn per month was about 5%. How's that panning out? Uh, it's slower than that at this point. 
slower, meaning it's like four or three percent or like six or seven percent? Well, uh, churn is a, is a, you know, is something that I wouldn't probably be uh, disclosing on a podcast, but uh, it is much lower than five percent. Okay, and, and you're, talking about, uh, you're talking about monthly. You're talking about gross monthly logo churn. I'm talking about logo churn per month, um, and uh, uh, over the course of last, like over the course of existence uh, of our product, we were able to uh, drive our churn down quarter over quarter. Yeah, I was going to say that because you did. I, I have the quote. I mean, you did say five percent gross logo churn per month last time you were on. You've driven that down. It sounds like significantly. I mean, can you point to two or three things you've done that really helped you drive that down? Yeah. Uh, first of all. Uh, we introduced professional services. I don't think we had them at the time we talked. So uh, that helped. Uh, the reason we do professional services is, frankly, not to make money, but to ensure that our customers uh, get to value faster. And that's, uh, that helps tremendously. So that's number one. Number two, we um, increased uh, our... Uh, Increased coverage for our customer success team. What's that mean? In the, in the past, uh, well, in the past, uh, we had um, we started with two CSMs uh, that focused only on large accounts. Those uh, customer com- success managers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Customer success managers. And uh, today we have a team of eight uh, that focus on much smaller accounts, comparing to you know a year and a half ago. And then finally, product uh, product came a long way. Quarter over quarter, we were fixing bugs and adding features and uh, polishing UX and onboarding and so on and so forth. And uh, the, you can see in the cohort analysis that things get greener and greener and greener, better and better and better. So that obviously helps. If you guys are like me, it was quite a shock to me when I was building my first company, Heyo, and we reached like 10, 11, 12 people. And all of a sudden I'm going, wait, why am I getting notices from all these states? And that's because I had to file payroll and stuff in these states as we started hiring people from remote locations. It was the biggest pain in the, in the butt. I hated the paperwork. I hated the payroll. And so now today when I'm launching new companies, hiring new remote employees, I use a company called Gusto. It's very simple. Payroll benefits and HR for modern small businesses. What I like most, and I've timed this, it takes about seven minutes on average for my folks to run payroll. It's got fast, easy to run payroll, including W-2s and 1099s. I love that they have health benefits and 401ks all built in for nearly any budget. So you kind of just pick what you want. And they've got expert HR support just to call away so you don't have to hire you know HR people in-house. But most importantly, it frees up my time. So I can go back to my Monday.com Kanban board print you know, plan the next sprint, you know, put the next spec out on the line and talk to three more customers. So if you want more effective payroll, you know, a lot of people change payroll providers at the end of the year. Now is really the best time to switch. So listeners of the podcast, you can go to nathanlacka.com forward slash gusto to try a demo and test it out. Again, that's nathanlacka.com forward slash gusto. And you'll get three months free once you run your first payroll. All right. I'll see you there. You shared last time payback period. You like to keep it at about twelve months, which was about mean meant you know you'd spend up to twelve hundred bucks to acquire a customer. Have any of those two metrics changed? Are you more aggressive, less aggressive today? A little more aggressive. 
Okay, so you're happy with the 16? Yeah, (laughs) that's usually what happens. So just to be be clear, you're happy with like a 16th or 18th month payback period. You have the cash to be more aggressive. Yeah, it's pretty close to 16. Okay, that's good. Um, That makes a lot of sense. And again, with a monthly ARP of 100 bucks, I can take 100 times a 16 to assume CAC is about 1,600 bucks. Where are you spending that 1,600 typically? Any direct stuff or all inside sales? Well, um, I'm sure a lot of our competitors are watching your show, so like I wouldn't tell you precisely <laughs> what, what, <laughs> where the money goes. Well, t- t- <laughs> t- t- tell me this. Tell me the experiments that failed. Uh, oh, experiments that failed. Uh, we built Oracle integration and <laughs> tried, to, tried to do that. <laughs> that didn't work out so well. Yeah. Yeah. How about that for a dumb thing to do? Um, I mean, it's not dumb if you're not. You know, if you're not an, an, an if you're not an SMB SaaS company, but uh, it was pretty dumb for PandaDoc. Yeah, what are you at today in terms of a team size? You were at 106 people a year and a half ago. Uh, we're at 160. Oh, great. Today. Okay, good. Actually, and, wait, 170 at this point. And what are most of those additional? You've hired about 70 people. Where are those most additional hires? Product or sales or what? Yeah, vastly product. <clears throat> okay. Vastly product. Uh, I think our sales headcount. Did not increase. Uh, they increased by a couple of people and CSMs, right? And where's home? Where's, that, where's everybody based? Everyone um, all over the globe. We got about ninety people in Belarus, and uh, um, got about eighty people in US. Actually, to be correct, like ninety-seven are in Belarus. Last time I checked, Slack. yeah. Um, a little over 70 and, and in the why, US. why Belarus? What's what's advantageous about that for you? Well, where do you think that accent comes from? Well, I, I'm not sure if that was your hometown yeah. or what, but strategically, I mean, is it cheaper cost to capital? Yeah. Uh, we started in Belarus and then I exported myself here, right? That's where our core is at. Um, product, uh, some support, some marketing, a um, couple of CSMs, some operations. We try to blend teams, but um, for obvious reasons, uh, the team is in Belarus. The team in Belarus is heavier on the product side. I mean, like it, Belarus is fantastic for uh, for hiring engineers. Um, there are hundreds of outsourcing companies that you can pull from, and uh, we've been fortunate to uh, to have our product organization. Uh, in Minsk, that that's that works extremely well, um, and uh, on the contrary, it's very hard to hire for sales in Belarus. Almost impossible. I mean, the uh, marketing and sales were um, illegal in yeah. the Soviet Union, <laughs> and therefore that domain uh, had a real hard time developing. You know, that's funny. You had to have a U.S. operation. Yeah. Well, you and, and that's that's why we have the uh, that's why we have offices in uh, San Francisco and St. Pete, Florida. Makita, around the time that you closed your Series A round of financing, a gentleman by the name of Brad Coffey, who leads M and A at HubSpot, had an interesting Twitter check in, which was location oriented around Belarus, and he doesn't go to Belarus for random reasons. Um, why did you strategically decide to raise capital versus sell to somebody like a HubSpot? Uh because what we do can be like a hundred times bigger. How do you the strategic? Let's let's ignore HubSpot for a second. As a found, any founder listening today, when they raise capital, many of them may also have LOIs for acquisition on the table as well. 
whether you had that duality or not, how do you recommend founders think about those two options? Uh, well, I can tell you how we think about it, but I think it's so personal and, uh, um, and, and, and private that giving any kind of advice on that front is, uh, is the advice that like no one should take. You know? uh-huh. Do you have um, personal advice you can share, even though obviously it is your own bias? Yeah. So there are three things that my co-founder and I care about. Number one, we want to learn. Learning is something we deeply passionate about. We want to get better. Quarter over quarter, we want to have new challenges and we want to learn. Um, number two, we want to make an impact. And uh, when we started this company, the impact was, quite frankly, um, on, on ourselves. We wanted to build a product. And uh, uh, prior to Quotroller, we had a service business and it was a super stressful business. Uh, you know, you work per hour and then, you know, you're being woken up at night. It just, it wasn't, it wasn't great. So uh, first, it started with the, with the impact on our, on our own lives, right? We just wanted a Zen uh, a Zen business. And then, um, uh, people started using our software and they loved it. So then we wanted to make an impact on their business and we wanted to have a lot of them using our software. And then, um, people joined our company and, uh, we noticed that, Hey, actually we helped them learn and we helped them make an impact and build careers. So there is this third um, you know, third dimension for, for the, for the impact value that we care about. So yeah, so impact is the number two. And then finally, we want to have fun. Uh, want to learn, want to make an impact and want to have fun while we're learning and making that impact. So, uh, the way we think about M&A is if a certain merger is going to help us to learn, make an impact and have a lot of fun, then sure, why not? Mm-hmm. You eliminate um, though a lot of potential M and A after you raise around like you raise because you have to sell for so much. So first off, you have to grow into the value, whatever valuation you negotiated, which I bet was good because it sounds like you're probably a great negotiator. So you have to grow into the valuation, and then you have to sell for assembling a liquidation preference. You have to sell for way above that to make it even worth it. So you really now are committed to like you know do your own thing for a year and a half, grow, 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 grow. Yeah, well, the first thing you got to do when you raise money, you should you shouldn't have some crazy liquidation preferences. Um, like I, I would, I'd rather take clean terms, but a higher valuation. Um, well, everyone, so would, everyone would like clean terms and a higher valuation. I think what you meant to say is you'd rather have clean terms and a lower valuation. Ex- uh, yeah. I would rather have clean terms than. Have oh, a- I see. I see. I see. Yeah. Um, so that's for one. And then, uh, for two, if you, can grow with the money that that you're raising uh, to the expectations of uh, every involved party. Then, um, and if that growth milestone or you know, that time is going to take you is um, is something you want to do, then why not to do that, right? So that's where we were um, with our Series B. We knew that we can at least 10x our customer base and uh, our annual recurring revenue. So then why not? Very good. All right, Makita, let's wrap up here with the, uh, with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? My favorite business book. I gave you one. I'll give you another one this time. Um, 
check out What Doesn't Kill Us. It's a great book, and uh, it is about sustaining cold. Um, and uh, I got on the uh, I got on the program that this book is preaching, and oh my god, like I love it. Good. I'm your, so much. Your book fresher. last year. Your book last year was Pitch Anything. So Pitch Anything and What Doesn't Kill Us. Both those books. Yeah. All right. Number two, Makita. Is there a CEO you're following or studying? CDO. CEO. Oh, CEO. Um, is there a CEO I'm following or studying? Yeah. Yeah. So um, actually, I read um, a lot of stuff that uh, both founders of HubSpot put out through um, ThinkRight. And I think they got they got awesome pieces there. Um, and I find a lot of similarities between our businesses. Uh, the, the market we go after uh, is very similar. So um, I find that content very relevant. Number three, is there a favorite online tool you have for building your business besides your own and besides HubSpot? Besides HubSpot, I didn't name HubSpot, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see, let's see. Just one you use every yeah, day. You gotta, yeah, you gotta cut off me being dumb. But um, what do I use every day? I use my calendar at this point, and like I use Google Slides. Like that's that's my job. Google Slides. Blah, 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 and like put slides together and all blah, right. blah, blah more. Good. That's, that's, that's <laughs> really all I do. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Uh, eight hours of sleep. That's good because um, you're, you're at your house right now. You got a little one running around, right? I got two. Two um, little ones and married, right? Yeah. yeah. And, how, yeah, yeah, yeah. and how old are you? I'm 32. 32. Last question. What do you wish your 20-year-old? Yeah, I am. What do, you, what, do you wish your, what do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? Uh, that I need to learn to um, work and deal with people. Um, wish I took some maybe like psychology classes or um, uh, something among those lines, management classes that would help me to um, to be a better manager because that matters so much after you have um, you know more than twenty people on your team. Guys, there you have it. He or in your company. He would have sharpened his people skills earlier on, but it seems to be doing something right. Over 170 people on his team today launched in 2011. PandaDoc helping you send proposals and quotes in minutes. They're scaling rapidly. A year ago, they had about 7,000 customers. Now they have over 10,000 customers paying on average 100 bucks a month. So they're flirting with that $100 million, or sorry, $1 million per month mark. 70% year-over-year growth, really healthy. $20 million raised. Uh, up, spending up to 1600 bucks to acquire a customer. He's comfortable with a 16-month payback period considering they had just raised capital. Healthy economics and his team is split between Belarus and the United States. Mikita, thank you for taking us to the top.